All right, let's do it. Hey, Gavin. I'm drinking. <laughs> We're always drinking. Yes, yeah, true. Hi, Louie. How are you? <laughs> I'm drinking. <laughs> Thank God. The uh, this tastes this kind of tastes cola-y, in fact, with it the black currant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ever heard of it? Mm-hmm. Elegance. Elegance. Ugh. Luxury. <laughs> Sarvaski. Mm. Uh, Sarasi crystals. Sarasi crystals. Hi, we used to be porn stars, <laughs> but not anymore. Uh, if only the uh, only the OnlyFans that never will be. <laughs> exactly. I told Derek once I was like, if we did OnlyFans, it would just be like us, like under the covers, and like adorable, <laughs> just like you know, yeah, exactly. Like turn off the light. Yeah, I'm, I need to finish this chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much that. Hi everyone, welcome to the mixed reviews. Welcome. It is. Another end of the year for us. Yes. It is 2020. I am older. Louis is somehow younger. True. I hate him. How's I've that been... painting in your attic doing, by the way? I mean, the babies I eat are delicious. <laughs> Top of the line. Okay, okay Elizabeth, calm down. <laughs> uh, but... We are a film podcast in which we take a film subject such as an actor, director, and or mini genre, and we do a brief history that's not always so brief, mm. and then we talk about the good, and we talk about the bad, and we watch so many movies. Yeah, we, we take two weeks. Two weeks. Watch as much as we can. And then we just discuss. We and like... And let me tell you, we do the research. Mm. Yeah. Very important. The reviews, they're mixed. They're mixed. Um, Gavin... Have any um, little like twenty twenty visions? Any things that you are looking forward to? Oh goodness, I am looking forward to so much. Mm. I think it's going to be a very good year for film. I hope so. I really look personally forward. awful. Twenty twenty will be twenty twenty. But the movies, the mo- excellent, excellent, excellent. We're going to we're going to go down in a blaze of glory, mm-hmm. but we'll always have the pictures. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm very excited. I mean, even today. There was just the release of the trailer for Kelly Reichardt's new film, First mm-hmm. Cow, which I'm very excited for. I love Kelly Reichardt. Seen all of her films. Big Kelly Reichardt stan. Stan. Uh, You've yeah. said her name seven times <laughs> yeah, now. Exactly. I'm just trying to get our audience to remember her. Kelly Reichardt. Kelly Reichardt. It's also how I warm up my voice between mm-hmm. each episode. Unique New York. Unique New York. Kelly Reichardt. Kelly Reichardt. Very good. Very yeah. good. You sound amazing. Also, don't forget, New Mutants finally maybe will come out. Uh-oh. That was going to be the next trailer I mentioned. Okay, like, good. Yeah. yeah. It's Kelly Reichardt and then <laughs> New Mutants. New Mutants. Uh, and then Moo Newtons. <laughs> Moo Newtons is what I'm looking forward to. Um... I, I will admit, I'm a big comic book fan. If anybody yes. knows me, I co-hosted the Midtown Comics podcast. Nobody for, does. No, nobody does. <laughs> uh, that's how I like it. <laughs> I co-hosted the Midtown Comics podcast for over two years and a yep. uh, big comic book fan. And so, like, I can't say that part of me isn't a little excited I'm to excited. see those characters. And Who's the stri- director? Oh, it's directed by Josh Boone, who is the director of The Fault in Our Stars. Oh my god. Uh, you yeah. guys. I was also thinking, oh my god. You so guys. The- <laughs> yes. Me and Gavin had the same reaction. <laughs> we did. <laughs> my god. There, those were the same words. Oh um, my god. <laughs> you know what? The Fault, they're in my stars, okay? Yeah. My mutants, they're new. <laughs> My knives, they're out. They're out. They, uh, not wearing that sweater today, are you? I'm not. Did you leave it with Chris? I mean, we like, it's like dual custody. (laughs) You know, it's our child. (laughs) Uh, but anyways, yes, I I think 2020 is going to be, it's going to be 
a good year for movies, it's going to be an interesting year for movies. And uh, I think especially some of the things that we saw in 2019 are going to change the path in which uh, movies, you know, are produced. I think you're going to see even more. I mean, what was it the other day? Netflix released like something like 60 yeah. movies that are going to come out next year through Netflix. Their Twitter like thread was like, yeah, I was like, this is an unbelievable amount of movies. And so it's, I think we're going to see a difference in the way movies are consumed. We're finally like hitting that uh, sort of breaking point. Yeah. And, and I think we're going to see a difference in the way movies are distributed as well. Actually, Lulu Wong, who was involved in the director's roundtable recently for The Hollywood Reporter, said this amazing thing about streaming and why she chose not to go the streaming route with The Farewell because she wouldn't have been at that director's roundtable. Mm. When you're an established filmmaker, you are a brand that they want to partner with to help build their own brand. But with newer filmmakers, newer voices, you don't have a brand. You need to build that brand. And I know now, because our film has been in the theaters for four months, you know, mm -hmm. for a film that's 75, 80% in Mandarin subtitled, but is an American film, <laughs> you know, to even first of all get that finance, yeah. but then to have that play as an American film, 100% Asian, Asian American cast, to be seen as an American story and play in theaters for four months, and then for me to be at this table, I, I know for a fact that if I took that bigger, you know, the bigger money, mm. that they wouldn't have the energy to put behind someone like me to, to build my brand when they have so many esteemed established directors that that are also part of the conversation. She thinks that there's still a premium of filmmaking and especially we've seen like all these discussions of you know Scorsese saying how he hates Marvel yeah. movies and superhero movies a lot and like what's true cinema and but what's also kind of fucking wild because his movie yeah is literally I mean it one it, on one end of it like Netflix fucking rolled out everything they could to make it feel like a big spectacle. Yeah. But at the end of the day, girl, I watched it on my computer at home. Right. <laughs> like, right. I... <laughs> and, it, and it's three and a half hours, which, so I'm sure you stopped it at some point. Oh, absolutely, Henny. Yeah. I, I mean, like, you can throw it inside a Broadway theater all you want. You can right. reopen the Paris all you want for your movies, but 99% of the people that are going to consume that movie are not going to have that experience. And so you can like trick yourself into thinking that, oh, my movie's still high art and whatever. But it's like, no, girl, you're sitting right next to Atypical and, you know, The Dragon Prince is, yes, what I watch at home and my cue. Like, and we're going to come back to Martin Scorsese's comments, definitely. I think that was a huge shakeup in the film world this year. But also, I think what's funny, too, is the name recognition goes a long way to sell those premium things because I watched that full movie. I ended up really liking it. I do think it's a really interesting uh, film and I think it's most most of the part that I loved. Is We're talking about the, the Irishman. The Irishman, yeah. We haven't seen most, that. Oh, sorry. The, most of the part that I love is the last hour, I'll be honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like two and a half hours before that are kind of iffy. Um, but the thing that I think is interesting is, you know, there's other movies that came out of not not even a comparable length, but say like The King, which was two and a half hours or a little under. And I didn't even bother to watch it. No. And so that just goes to show you that I was attracted to the thing with Martin Scorsese's name. Right. Well, also, I mean, I I did not end up watching The Laundromat. I know you did for our Antonio Banderas movie, and you did not like it. No. And it's funny, like, they had every name in the world attached to it. Yeah. And I don't think it did anything. Like, no. There's, like, there's no conversation about that movie at all. It will 
just live in Netflix forever and no one will think about it again. It's so funny too because that movie was written by the same guy that wrote and directed The Report, the Adam Driver film for Amazon, right. which is another streaming service film, which was another film that I felt was really underserved by the way it was written and directed and was like, this would have made a good documentary, but also I know nobody sees documentaries. Well, that's funny though. I mean, so, nice pivot point. I think this, I was thinking, man, Sony documentaries before rarely get distribution or they yeah. ever would like and and this year was the first year that i realized oh my god i get to see so many documentaries on hulu on amazon and on netflix especially on netflix and that are incredible and you know give you a new perspective to the world and insight and i was like half of these movies i would never have seen right no one would ever have seen and so there's a point where like and especially now that we're in this culture of true crime and news and media consumption um, it almost feels like we're entering this really great age of documentaries, not because the filmmaking is better. I think the filmmaking has always been very good. Yeah. It's about distribution. Yeah. And there are now more cheaper platforms for these smaller things to get out and be um, um, consumed by us. And another point I want to make on that is the fact that the internet has made us so greedy about knowledge and information. And for I think sure. the way that people consume documentaries is very similar in the way that they consume podcasts, which you're listening to right now. Hello. And I think it's a want of information to sort of feed into, you know, things that you may not know and things that you want to learn. And so I'm not saying that all documentaries are a great learning tool, but I do think that some of them are sought out more for that reason and less for pure entertainment value. Right. I mean, on the flip of that, but very closely and like the same side of the coin is like things that you love. Like, I mean, when you saw this year, um, you know, uh, documentaries about Aretha Franklin, you saw documentaries about Trixie Mattel. Yeah. Documentaries about Linda Ronstadt, like fandom and things that you love and, uh, that you want to know, feel closer to these people. Yeah. Um, that is also like the search for more entertainment and, and knowledge about the things that you love. Uh, I think, with again with this distribution you really get that i mean it, literally trixie mattel has a documentary out that you can go see right. about her independently financed independently released yeah and and yeah and and that just feels very brand new you know she knows that she has a fan base of people that want to see her and um uh and now there is a p- place for that to be seen and and you know consumed at 15 i moved in with my grandparents and my grandpa was a country musician who played guitar. So that's how I got really interested in music when I was like 13 or 14. Sounds good. It never occurred to me to play music in drag because even though I've been playing guitar and singing and writing music for like 15 years, it just didn't, it, it didn't seem like it would fit with this. Before we move into our rewind, this is all set up for this year and things that have happened in 2019. Uh, but on a dark side version of the exact thing you're talking about, fame, is there's this amazing Hulu documentary. It was just outside my top 15. Um, it's called Jawline. Um, it's about a uh, Instagram influencer named Austin Tester and sort of like his rise and fall. But it plays, at least to me, like a horror movie. Mm. Um, this this filmmaker, Liza Mandelup, who made it, like, made one of the most convincing, scary movies I've seen in a long time. And it's just a documentary about fame. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's really interesting. I recommend you check it out. But once again, it's a streaming platform. It's yeah. right inside your home. It's very easy to access. 
I just want to tell y'all guys, if you got a dream, you got to chase it. Don't let anyone's opinions affect you. Damn, that was such a terrible broadcast. Speaking of horrifying movies, it's like that movie, then like Cats. Yes. For sure. Yeah. You know, twenty. Now talking about jawlines. I know. Talk about twenty nineteen. We got digital fur technology. <laughs> it's gonna be all the rage. I tell you, the second half of twenty twenty, yeah. all the films are gonna have digital fur technology. Yeah, can't wait for. Um, I don't know Disney to start using it as well. <laughs> They're gonna make Lion King again, actually. Yeah, but exactly. now using digital fur. This technology. time it will be live action. Yeah, this it will actually be live action. Yeah. Yeah. but digital fur. <laughs> totally. I can't wait to see Blue Ivy as mm, Nala in yes. this version. Oh, yeah. And she's in a sleigh. Yeah, yeah. She'll get an Oscar. <laughs> exactly. Beyonce will still not have an Oscar, but Blue, Blue Ivy. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my god, are we asking for the Bayhive to come for us? Fuck. No. <laughs> Don't come for us. Don't. We love her. We love her. I, I will say Homecoming, which, uh, speaking of documentaries, yes. another amazing uh, concert film that came out to Netflix. And one of the brilliant things is, is they really let... Beyonce herself take the reins. It's like her conception, yeah. uh, 100%. It's one of the best concert films I've seen in a very long time yeah. and really worth watching. It's I think it's also somewhere in my 25. I rank every new movie I see because I'm a monster. True. Uh, but it's 24. Um, there you I go. 25, yeah. I mean, and, and you're right. I mean, that concert documentary... I mean, it, imagine being, like, putting out a literally a year-old performance that overshadowed the current year's actual performances. Like, Absolutely. People were enraptured. And, it, I mean, and it's great. Like, the way that they, like, edited it with Between the Two Nights yeah. and the music and, oh, my, and girls and gals and guys and everyone, like, around the world just, like, screamed their little fucking faces off when they saw Michelle and Kelly come up with that. Oh, yeah. Incredible. My favorite moment of the entire thing. Solange. Solange. <laughs> Solange just comes out. I know. Does the dance. And they're such, like, Please. sisters. Yes. Well, they are, but also... Yeah, yeah, know, but, but... The performance of it. But, but they're believable as sisters. Yeah, yeah. It's um, good casting with Solange. really good casting. Whoever they got for Solange. Oh, <laughs> so wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, hardly believe that she would beat Jay-Z up in an elevator. <laughs> uh, but anyways, that's enough of that intro. Let's move into our rewind. The beginning of the year. Yes. I mean, I think, like... Coming into 2019, what I, all I remember was people being like, what the fuck is going to happen to Avengers? Yes. That was truly... That was the big cliffhanger. Yeah. but uh, And I was like, ugh, I don't care. <laughs> Not because I don't like superhero movies, I just don't think Infinity War is a very good movie, but whatever. Infinity War... I like Infinity War. Yeah. I like it better you. than Endgame. Interesting. I, I mean, End I know. Endgame is a lot of fan service, but, you know, I don't mind getting service. <laughs> You're disgusting. <laughs> I feel like the beginning of the year, we we had come off of, you know, obviously like huge. I mean, we're still in the age of like superhero things. Yeah. Um, we get, you know, we knew uh, Disney's takeover of Fox was coming. You know, like it hadn't been hammered out, but like, but it, but it was the big threat of the year. It yeah. was, yeah. And um, we also <laughs> the threat. <laughs> it was. I feel Disney's threatened. eating everything. Yeah, attacked. Thank you for listening to the mixed reviews brought to you by Disney. Mm -hmm. Um, and then on top of that, we also get the announcement of Disney Plus coming. Right. Uh, and so it kind of felt like this 
big monster lumbering year that was coming at us. And like the head was like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you're not wrong. And I think it did come. I mean, what was the study that was recently released that they had 33% of all, like yeah, every dollar yeah. or something? Yeah. And like Disney? 80% of the blockbusters were Disney. And yeah. I mean, at the beginning of the year, you still have your like kind of um, offbeat releases. Um, we got another um, Jordan Peele movie yes, in, in Us. Us, which was still kind of surprising that it came out in February. I still think that's a, a bit of a shock, I'll be right. honest. And, you know, I just saw Us, like, maybe a week ago. Uh, freaky deaky shit. Yeah. Um, Do you have any idea what your first 2019 release of the year was? That I saw? Yeah. Mm, I feel like Gloria Bell's in there. Um, which I loved. I went and saw it at the Alamo and was just like, what does she say? She has a great line of like, um, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down dancing. Besides, every generation thinks it's the end. The worst it's ever been. And one generation will be right. Well, when the world blows up, I hope I go down dancing. <laughs> hey. The movie delivers on it, you know? It's... I, I remember going and um, Derek was like, man, it was so sad. And I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> it was not sad. I was like, yeah, that guy's a piece of shit. And, you know, maybe things don't turn out the way that you want them to. But you keep dancing. And that's what I took away from the movie. Yeah. Like, you know, yes. I, I think inherently it's a positive ending. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and she... Yeah, I mean... Uh, did we talk about this for Julianne Moore? No. I uh, we had not seen it yet. Chris had seen it. Okay. Good. Yeah. Um, Chris File had seen it and we hadn't, but then I oh, I went and saw it and I was like, oh my God, like it's such a beautiful, and it it, it shocked me that it wasn't, it was out already. Like it felt like yes. such a weird time for it to come out. Um, but that's one of my first memories of the year. What about you? So my very first 2019 release was the Stephen Knight classic, Serenity. Uh, That's right. Friend of the show, Christy Puchko, who is a film critic, got a bunch of us together to go see it because she had already seen it twice at film festivals. Horrifying. But yeah. And it is... On purpose? Yeah. So bad. It's a Matthew McConaughey movie. It's him, Annie Hass, mm-hmm, who has had Hass. a bad year, I will be honest. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know... It starts out like an erotic thriller, and there's a big switch in the middle. I'm not going to tell you what it is, because it's almost one of those things that even though it is bad, it is kind of, it kind of has to be seen to believe. Yeah, I remember you told me off the pod, and I was like, (laughs) excuse me? Yep. Uh, It's ridiculous and bad, but also if you need like a good, good time with friends. And that came out January 26th was when I saw it. Of, um, yeah, 2019. So, let's be here at 7. Just me, you, and the mother tuna. I already told you. It's not worth the risk. I'm not gonna do it. Please think about it, Mr. Dilf. It's okay, honey. Every man has his price. That, that is a little horrifying. <laughs> um, and I... Oh, and also, of note, I think, like, wasn't... The Upside, remember that movie? Oh, yeah. Was out. A movie that we somehow both avoided for a Nicole Kidman episode. We were like, no, yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're like, um, it made so much it. money, though. It made so much money. Did it money. really? Yeah. 
the upside with Kevin Hart and Brian Cranston. Which is so funny it. because it also came around the time of the Kevin Hart's El Controversy, mm-hmm. where he's like, True. yes, he's like, I hate gays and I'm not willing to apologize for it, but also I love gays. Well, the thing is, I think like it, that really speaks to middle America, you know, and I don't right. mean it as a shade or anything, but like Kevin Hart, I'll, if, if you're not on Twitter and you're not like, you know, right. like a Twitter gay who's like watching movies or whatever, if you see Brian Cranston, who's very good actor, Nicole Kidman, same, and oh, Kevin Hart, who's funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a date night movie, like period. Um, like it's it would be naive to be like, <laughs> like no, that's just the fucking truth. Um, and it worked, and it worked. Um, we also got a um, <laughs> a sequel to um, a dog's whatever. Oh yes, a dog's way- journey, and then a dog's way, way home. home. Um, yes. So and for whatever reason, I guess those make a money somehow. Dogs' purpose. The, uh, yeah, the, so the, many dogs doing things. Dogs. Dogs doing dishes. Yes. Dogs um, doing housework. I just need an army of dogs to keep my place clean. Magic dogs. Magic dogs. Which is Magic Mike's. Oh, yes. Right. And Snow Buddies 24. Um, okay, but... <laughs> Snow Buddies. Okay, but truly the, the cinematic event of, like, that first quarter of the year has to be the Netflix-Hulu Rival Fire Fest documentaries that came out. And oh, what a glorious weekend. <laughs> oh, it warmed my heart so much. To be that close to the fire? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The fire was warming me, okay? I saw both with a group of friends, and we just, like, clutched our pearls and could not believe this, like, cultural event had happened. And we had, I mean, I had no idea what the fuck it was. Really? I, 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 I knew all about it, but once again, like, I had seen like the news coast, of, coastal elite on Twitter all the time. So. Right, I'd seen the news of, like, the thing of it, but I had no idea, like, that apparently people on, when it was happening, like, people were like, oh yeah, it was all over Instagram, and like, I wanted to go. I was like, who am I following that, like, who are you following that you know what the fuck's <laughs> going on? Uh, but a true cinematic peak of course, was you, our... You found out that that guy wanted to suck dick? That that guy is a star. Yeah. Where's his Oscar? Okay. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm really... And I got into my car to drive across the island to take one for the team. And I got to his office fully prepared to suck his dick. Best supporting actor um, for wanting to suck dick for Evian. Hilaire. I think Netflix's one is by Fuck Jerry. Yes. Which was one of, like, the producers of the event. Yeah. And so they were able to, like, quote, tell their side. Yeah. And be like, oh, it was this, Jaw Rule. This is, like, the Amy Fisher thing from the 90s. I, I, Listen, I'm old, so do you need me to explain the Amy Fisher thing to you? I mean, I don't know if like, I want you to explain <laughs> it, but if you want. Amy Fisher was the Long Island Lolita. She was sleeping with an older man named Joey Buttafuoco, and she went to his wife's house and shot his wife and she didn't die. And there was one week where there was three different television movies that came out. uh, One produced by NBC, ABC, and Fox, I want to say. And two of them, one starred Alyssa Milano and one starred Drew fucking Barrymore. That's a get. Yeah, for a TV movie. And then the third one, no one really remembers that girl. I'm so sorry. I don't, please don't call us out. Right, right, But. It's, it was the television event of the 90s. I remember my mom watching all three of them. I just can't believe that guy from Greece was involved. <laughs> Joey Botafuco. Joey Botafuco. Yeah, true. Long Island Lolita. Look her up. <laughs> In February... Um, you brought up Us. Yeah. And it was... The reaction to Us uh, 
was a little more muted, I'd say, yeah. from Get Out. I'll I'll be perfectly honest. I named Get Out my favorite movie of the year. It came out, and I didn't really love us. I thought Lapita was amazing. Mm-hmm. I thought Winston Duke's thighs were amazing. Scene stealers, yeah, truly, truly. Um, I just didn't think it was the story was fully there. It never fully gelled. I under please don't at me. I understand the story. I'm not a dummy, but like it's about hands across America. It's about hands across America. Clearly. It's, it's a mix of Chud and Goonies and all those video cassettes at the beginning of the film. Got mm-hmm. it. Um, oh my god. Um, in February also was when Gina Rodriguez had the starring Miss Bala. Yes. And she the, tried to, um, I don't know, jump from... I, listen, I watched it in the Virgin. I can say this, okay? I love her on that. But this is not the vehicle to attach yourself to. It's, yeah. it's a remake. It's a remake of a film that came out back when I used to work at Filmmaker Magazine. So a film that's about de- a decade old. <laughs> um everyone's did you see that news spoiler alert not spoiler alert but that they're gonna try and remake parasite but in english oh yeah um horrifying ugh. horrifying why endgame comes out in may which is like the kickoff yes of may is the annual beginning of summer blockbuster unfortunately we live in a weird time as you mentioned, there's the saturation of the superhero market. We live in a weird time in which the... I feel like there really isn't a summer blockbuster saturation anymore. There's like two or three big films. Yeah. But it used. I feel like it used to be like ten. Well, here's the thing. In 2019, I think it was the year of like blockbuster fucking fallout. Or, right. You know, we tried to give... Or they tried to give us Men in Black 4. Right. Flatline. Um, they tried to redo Dark Phoenix flatline. Yeah. Um, we do get a Captain Marvel in there yes. um, earlier in the year. Earlier in the year. And I actually think DC had a really good hit with a moderately sized, and I know that sounds insane because it was still expensive as fuck, but a moderately sized superhero film in Shazam. Oh, right. Which was a ton of fun. And actually, I really liked it. I recognize that I, even as a comic book fan, and maybe not the full-on audience there was a lot of jokes in it that i felt play skewed a little younger it felt fell a little flat for me but i was in an audience that was so in love with the movie that they were seeing that it kind of lifted it up in my esteem right um zachary levi right yes he's yeah, yeah. a star genuinely Ten thousand feet tall he had a he had a great year too between yeah. that and miss mazel oh um we also uh, at the in around april we got aladdin yes um before that we got dumbo yeah Oh, and we did. We did get Dumbo. So this was the year of, like, back-to-back-to-back to back to back Disney. Because following Aladdin was Lion King. Yeah. And they did their Disney best to get Lion King to become some sort of moment. And it made a butt-ton of money. It's now the highest-grossing animated film ever. Because it is animated, sorry. Yeah, guys. no, it absolutely is. Yeah. Um, but it feels like for all the push behind it, it... Just didn't really make yeah that big of a splash. No, I it feel. was kind of a critical bomb, and oh. most people most people felt that the the look, the stiffness, the lack of emotionality of the, the CG lack of creations, fun. the yeah. lack of color, yeah, really took the fun, you know, the aspect that made it a kids movie out of it. <laughs> Did you hear that? The future kid. Oh, don't hurt me. Oh, do it again. <laughs> if you ever come near my son again. No, Mufasa. Never. Never again. 
You've been warned, Shinzi. And it's wild because the Broadway show was able to is is doing live action every day. Right, right. And honestly, seeing that would have been more interesting and exciting than whatever you know this monstrosity. But it's it's exactly what you said uh, mere episodes ago. Nostalgia is for sale. Yeah. A lot of these companies, as you mentioned once again, we got a Men in Black sequel that no one wanted. We got a Dark Phoenix remake that nobody wanted. We got Godzilla. We got Godzilla, which is another movie. And it's funny, uh, I've said some things about blockbusters in this episode already. I watched it and I was like, oh, I kind of love this. Critics hated it. They were like, there wasn't enough character development. I was like, I'm sorry, there wasn't enough character development in your giant monster movie. Yeah, yeah. But, But the... I don't know. I thought it was fun. Do I wish movies like that did not cost a hundred million dollars? Absolutely. Yeah. There's no reason for that. But I had a lot of fun watching it. We also got um, our first Fast and Furious spinoff. Yes. Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Which I don't know if people watched. It feels like... I believe it made enough money to make a sequel. So... Hobbs and Shaw 2. Yeah. Electric Boogaloo. Um, we also got the weirdly timed Rocket Man yes. around this time, which felt it, it's unfortunate that it's coming right after the year of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes, especially involving the same director, which is not Brian Singer. It's the director who took over for, for Brian, Brian Singer, Singer to yeah. finish Bohemian Rhapsody. But once again, another movie I saw was completely charmed by. I ended up really liking it. I like the fact that it's it's much more. It's an actual musical. Right. And that was a lot more fun. Do I think it's a, a little of a soft, gauzy look at oh, sure. Elton John's life? Sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But I had I had some fun with that. Um, we also... I mean, continuing on the, like, um, blockbuster sequels, we got another Spider-Man, Far From Home. Yes, post-Avengers, post the tragedy of Tony Stark. I love the fact that they waited a couple months and then were like, spoilers! Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um... I can't remember how Spider-Man Far From Home ended, but I know it was like a game changer. Yeah, it was. Um, And we also got a Toy Story that I never saw. I didn't see it either. Uh, It keeps, you know, and it ended up last week it was nominated at the Golden Globes. It didn't win, which I'm sure was like actually kind of a huge blow to Pixar. But I mean, so here's the thing. So, and I was thinking about this today. Imagine being Disney. Imagine having more money than God. And just being like, let's just make another one. Let's make yeah. another one. I can't imagine how does money make you boring? I don't. I, I don't. I don't the understand it. Is yes. Well, that's like, like what do they have to lose? Right. What does Disney have to lose to be like? You know what? We are going to produce this new story. There are so many creative and um, exciting people out there who want new stories and are willing to do the work. And Disney's like, no, let's make a Frozen too. Which, like, whatever. People love right. Frozen, and I'll at least say Frozen has more of a culture impact than this new fucking Lion King remake. Like, I guarantee that there are kids today that would still prefer to watch the old Lion King than yes. the ones they made today. So, it just boggles the mind. And especially, like... But, but I always come back to this with people, and I'm sure it's the same with corporations, which are not people, no matter what they try and tell you. No matter what Mitt Romney says. The... I mean, at what point is too much money. Like, how much money do you need before right. you is s- stop? Yeah, like, when I, it, what is enough? And and I'm sure for corporations, just as it is for people, the answer seems to be never. never. Which is wild, because... And I think we might have talked about this in an earlier episode. I can't remember. But 
Disney is infallible now. Nothing is going to bring Disney down. Right. They're going to be fine. They could lose a bajillion dollars off of one movie and they'd be like, uh, right. bad gear. We'll get, we'll get them next time. And they will be fine. Like, no one's going to lose their job. It's not going to be like, tank the economy because right. Toy Story 6 makes, you know, $2. If, if they do lose jobs, it's voluntary layoffs at this point. Right. And, and, and it's just like shocking. And I'm so glad that uh, Missing Link won because... Leica's movies have never recouped their budget. Right. Never. Like, uh, Missing Link, which I just watched two days ago, which is a very, like, meh movie. Yeah, and especially in comparison to past things Leica yeah. has done. But, yeah, the budget for that movie was about $100 million, and it made about $20 million. And that's fucking psycho. Yeah. Um, and that's doing it for the love. Yeah, and that's and I'm not saying that Missing Link is or was the best animated movie of the year. I'm not saying that at all. Right. But at least I, I don't know what the fuck Leica's money situation is, who's funding them, but they are taking swings and putting out new and exciting things out into the world. Whereas it's like, man, Disney really just needs to remind kids to buy a Woody toy at the Disney store. We yeah. get it. It's fine. I mean, this might be even a little too inside baseball, but I've been talking about this for a while. I don't understand. Well, actually, I do understand. But hypothetically, I don't understand why other companies aren't going out and attempting to sue Disney based on antitrust monopoly laws. Mm-hmm. But the reason they're not, the reason... I know they're not. It's because they want to do the same thing. If Universal could acquire Sony, or if Sony could acquire, you know, one of the other big ones, they would. Because they all want to have a lock on yeah. the thing that makes the most money. Right. And that's, I mean, I get, I mean, if we're headed towards it all. Like, you know, yeah. Peacock is coming soon. Like, yeah. Disney Plus is here. I get it. Well, this is, this is the year of people, I feel like, finally caught on. That they're we're, like... Oh, I cut the cord cable, and now I'm paying just as much for television as I did to pay right. a cable company to get so much more. We are at the nadir of um, streaming and all yeah. that. I, I, all the you know articles and stuff came out about like um, the streaming wars, this and that, la la. What the fuck ever. But just if could could Disney not like I don't know just use Fox for their right. like you know. Fun new things that aren't, you know, properties or whatever. Like, it just feels so insane. What, I, what do they have to lose? I think this is a good transition point to bring up, uh, you know, towards the end of the year, as we mentioned, Scorsese comes out with The Irishman, starts doing press. Uh, during the press tour, he famously compared superhero movies to theme park rides and said they're not cinema. How do you, I don't know, say the value of a film that's like a uh, theme park film, for example, uh, the Marvel-type pictures, where, where the theaters become amusement parks. That's a different experience. And it's like, it's not even, it's a, I was saying earlier, it's not cinema, it's something else. You know, whether you go for that or not. But it is something else, and they shouldn't be, we shouldn't be invaded by it. Um, and so that, that's a big issue. That's a big issue. Uh, and we need the theater owners to step up for that, you see to allow theaters to show films that are narrative films. A narrative film could be one long take for three hours, too, you know. He then had to write an op-ed to explain his position. I thought, for the most part, the op-ed was right. I think his 
assumptions about the movie North by Northwest don't align with my assumptions about the movie North by Northwest, which I think is really interesting because he is such a, he is a scholar when it comes to cinema. He, you know, finances foreign films. He does film preservation in a way that no other filmmaker does. So I, I don't ever want to say his interpretation is wrong. It's just very different than mine. But I will say this, and I think what was interesting and what's being lost a little bit about what he said, and I was thinking about this earlier, is that I believe part of what he's saying, too, is that the culture that surrounds these things, the popularity of these, have driven us to a point where we believe things are above criticism. Oh, yeah. And I think the idea of comparing them to theme park rides is essentially saying that. And and to an extent, I agree. When you get on a theme park ride and you get off it, you either had fun or you didn't. You don't think too much about it. You don't say, oh, well, this thing didn't work for me or this part of the ride. Like, no, you either fucking screamed your head off or you were bored. That's it. And I feel that's sort of what he's saying about these Marvel movies is that they you either sort of have to love them or you hate them and that's it. And there's no middle ground. And I do think... The internet culture has sort of engendered this society that believes that you can't think critically about the stuff you're consuming, which is sad because I think critically about the stuff I'm consuming all of the time. And I mean that about everything. I'm critically consuming this drink. (laughs) Exactly. I I was going to say books, TV shows, fucking food. You know, you think about everything that you, you put into yourself. Why would you ever want to you know one of my least favorite things is when people say like oh yeah you should just shut your brain off and watch it i don't want to shut my brain off i don't want to stop thinking about the thing i like taking it in i like being able to think about it gross kevin (laughs) i can always rely on you for a serious conversation (laughs) but no and i think i think it's an interesting thing and i think that's sort of what's being lost in his message because i do feel like a lot of these superhero films have become a bit critic proof. You can say all you want about them, good or bad, and it doesn't matter because the people that want to see them will go see them. Right. I mean, I still see superhero movies. You didn't go see what was it? Joker? No one saw the Joker, Hanny. Not in, the, <laughs> but, not but in they, this room. I was yeah, I was gonna say, but they did, and that's the problem. Right. I mean, it's funny, like, it's that thing of Are you so excited that you finally get to see these heroes that you love on the screen that no matter what you're just gonna like right. buy it you're just gonna buy it i'm i'm in i'm all in because oh look i get to see ant-man now right. as a character and you don't and, and you don't want to um you don't want that to go away yeah i don't want there to not be my right. favorite hero on, t- on on the screen anymore so i'm not gonna say bad things or not give money to that because i want to keep that coming right um and that's i mean I'm not a Star Wars person, but it feels like from what I barely know about what's going on in that realm of the fandom online, if I mean, it is this thing that you love and you want them to keep right. coming, but you are... Tr- and and I think, I, I know, like, for a fact, my sister is like, oh, we love Suicide Squad. We love, like, every comic book movie out there, her and her family, they love, love, love. I'm like, Claire, no, that sucked. That sucked. Like and I yeah. and I I I love these characters too, but no, this is bad. Right. Um, and it's okay that that was bad. You know, there can be bad comic book movies. Right. There, there are bad comics. There are bad comics. <laughs> and I I think also uh, a thing that's being lost in what Scorsese said is in his op-ed he wrote about how he didn't grow up with these comic book characters, and mm-hmm. if he had, he probably would be excited to see them. 
Yeah. And it's a cultural moment he has missed. Right. And I think that's true and fair and valid, but it seems there's this idea that there is this overarching consensus about art, about things that people should like and things people shouldn't like. And that's always, that's I mean, silly. It's, yeah, it's silly. It's, and it, it rides everything from the binary of gender to, you know, it's, it's this idea that you can't ever think outside the box. And it's really unfortunate because it does seem more pervasive in 2019 and maybe that's something we can we can work on losing in 2020 that it's 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 cooler to have a variety of ideas and a variety of experiences and a variety of stories um i also wanted to point out i just saw um a big money maker from the summer was good boys yes it was a huge money maker shockingly yeah and um i think i read it was like you know high concept will really go a long way and like the concept was like children cursing right um did you watch this? I did. I did not. I have friends who have told me it's very good. I'm sure it's very funny. Yeah. Um, I I'm not knocking it, but yeah, it's, it's of it's, note that it made money. Yeah. It just didn't pique my interest. Um, we had a, a third John Wick movie come out. Yes. And I liked it better than the second one. So, and I know that's not a popular opinion, but I but I'm saying nice things. So like whatever. Um, just be happy. I'm saying nice things. Um, kind of in the same vein, what we're talking about. We had Detective Pikachu come out this year. Yes. And I watched it, and I had friends being, "How was it?" I watched it, I think, by myself. How was it? I was like, you know what? It was cute seeing them on the screen. Was it good storytelling? No. But it was good seeing a little Pikachu and Bulbasaur, like, running around. That's kind of fun, you know? Because it was the first live-action Pokemon movie that's been made in America, I want to say. Yeah. I don't know if there's been other live-action. I doubt there's there's been other live-action. I mean, it's huge in Japan. But, um, Just like this podcast. <laughs> um, you know what? But like, my personal Oscar goes to Rita Ora yes. for all of her contributions into the cinema this year. Did she play Jigglypuff? Um, no, she didn't get the part. Oh, no. No, she she, she tried, but no. No. no, no. She didn't have the range. Day 42. After much trial and error, we perfected a stable method to extract Mewtwo's DNA. It's Mewtwo. No, wait. Wait, Mewtwo came from this place? Oh my god, are they going to let Jigglypuff sing the In Memoriam at the Oscars this year? They better. They better. Someone call her. Get her on. She might be busy. She might. She might be busy. When we get to the fall, the more, um, uh, you know. This is the start of award season. Yeah. Which only seems to get longer and longer every year. Um, let me see. Mm-hmm. We are currently in the midst of award season, which is even funnier. Didn't like the um, Oscar voting just finish? Oh yes, and the uh, Golden Globes were this past weekend, and mm-hmm. you know, shocking everybody with the upset that is 1917 as Best Picture for Best Dramatic Film. I watched. I I went to the theater to see it yesterday. Um, it's fine. Uh, I think Roger Deakins is like an amazing cinematographer and does a really good job, like with the magic trick that is trying to maintain it as one shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the story is kind of, but oh, you know, Sam Mendes for you. Sorry, rewinding a little bit. Uh, me and Derek went and saw um, Blinded by the Light. Oh yes, and he cried. <laughs> um, it's a cute movie. It's by the director who did um, Bend It Like Beckham. And um, it's it's very firmly in the wheelhouse of movies I love. If you've listened to our last um, movie roundups, I'm always like crying over like a movie <laughs> that has like strong musical um, undertones. Um, this movie didn't quit quite get all the way there for me. Um, Sing Street, it is not, but um, it's in that same vein. It's very cute. Um, also, Downton Abbey came back. Yes, and the olds. 
They loved it. They did. They they said, take thee to the theater. It, it is one of those things where, like, Downton Abbey is something, like, I shared with my mom. So, like, it is, like, a warm blanket watching it. But I have never seen a film with such low stakes. Oh, yeah. It's literally like, the king and queen are coming. How will we ever be ready? And, and it's, like, a gorgeous house yeah, with, like, an army of people. Exactly. And also, like, the best thing is, is there's an assassination plot at one mm. point. In it, and I was like... Where did this come right. from? I was like, what are you doing, guys? But it is funny to watch, to, to just literally watch a two-hour-long episode of that show that has, you know, an extra $20 million involved in it. So Casual. it's just like extra, everything's a little more opulent than it was. Um, speaking of olds, we got another Rambo movie. Yes. We got another Terminator movie. We did. Um, with some original flavors yeah. back in. And what's annoying is you get both those things and you still don't get another Time Cop movie. Nope. Well, hello? Where is it? <laughs> Where is it? JCVD. We need it. I think our the first like big kind of uh, Oscar movie that broke out was Judy. Judy. Um, the Return of Renee Zellweger. I don't know if the movie really broke out, but she did. She did, and it deservedly so. The movie is not great, guys, and I recently watched it with my mom, nonetheless, speaking of. Uh, hi, Catherine. Uh, but she is genuinely amazing in the film, uh, and I'm very impressed, because it's not even just about... the. In fact, I would say maybe the weakest part for Renee Zellweger was the singing, because she just sounds like Renee Zellweger, mm. but she's got... The moves down, the speech pattern, the look, the look, and it, I was surprised. I was really surprised. You won't forget me, will you? Promise you won't. In October, we get Joker. We get Joker. Comes screaming right out the gate, wins the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival Awards, surprising everybody. That's one of those awards that you put in front of your film yeah. when you release it. So people were like, is this going to be the first DC film that has like a official Golden Lion winning? Like, uh, I didn't see it. Same. I've seen both Taxi Driver and King of Comedy. They're great movies on their own. I don't need to do it again. I just had no interest. Yeah. You know? I agree with Scorsese. I've seen clips. Why do I need to see the full thing? Beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. Beautiful gowns. I'm not interested in Joaquin Phoenix as an actor. I'm not interested in mining the Joker as a character for entertainment. Right. Like, none of my boxes are checked in in that movie. And there are people out there that this movie's for them. And good on you. And I'm I'm happy and glad if you enjoyed it. Right. And And that's... I mean, that's the adult thing and that we're trying to say. There's a variety of opinions in the world, and if that floats your boat, good. As Honey, long- the reviews, they're mixed. Yeah, exactly. But I, I agree. I've, I just don't have any interest. It doesn't... A Joker origin story, in any way, shape, or form, never kind of grabs my attention. Mm-hmm. And I mean, isn't that what people loved about The Dark Knight? Is that the the Joker didn't have an origin? Was constantly lying about what he like? Well, that's the whole thing. Like the Joker is supposed to be just chaos personified, right? Like, you know, there's supposed to be no truth. It's just right. It's just the Joker. It's just like chaos. It's you cannot tell the truth. You cannot right. understand. There is no understanding. Right. He wants to watch the world burn. Right. Like that's it. I I've said this before. Last year, the latest Halloween sequel came out, and there was this great moment uh, towards the beginning that I I really loved. Um, where they talked about how, you know, the two of the characters are podcasters and they come back to Laurie Strode to, to ask, to interview her. 
And she's like, yeah, this, you know, that man murders 17 peoples. He's misunderstood. I have two divorces and I'm the basket case. Yeah. And it's, and that's why I think society at the moment, I don't know if we're at the tipping point of it. There's a huge heft of true crime podcasts. I'm not saying you're bad if you listen to them. I totally understand the, the urge to listen to them. I've listened to some myself. But I do find the ones that do have the tendency to glorify the perpetrator of the crimes seem to really suck people in. And I, I don't understand that. And I, I don't need to get into the mind of a killer. Right. Uh, but I do think that the the story of the victims is really interesting and they're often lost in yeah. the you know so i think i don't know do i need to see that the, how the joker became the joker because society was bad to him nah. um on a happier note um i remember watching this movie with my mom over the holidays we watched dolomite is my name yeah we, we had a lot of returns i guess um this year you know we had renee um and this we had the return of eddie murphy um playing Rudy Ray Moore. And honestly, this movie is wholesome. It is. It is, you know, it's it's funny. It's, you know, I I, I would not say that Rudy Ray Moore was a wholesome man. No. But it's, it's funny. Um, I had this, I, watching it, I was like, I'm having a lot of fun. I really like this. But it reminds me of something. I feel like I've seen this before. Something... And finally, I looked it up, and it's the same writers as the movie Ed Wood. Oh. And I realized, oh, this is Ed Wood. Maybe the big difference is, I don't think Ed Wood knew he was a con man. Mm. I think Rudy Ray Moore knows he's a con man. Yeah. Divine Joy Randolph is a supporting actress in this movie, and she is just radiant. Absolutely. Um, Steals every scene she's in, which is incredibly difficult especially working against a comedian who's been in the business for over 40 years yeah a comic legend yeah hey bartender how about a drink for the pretty girl come on now i know what the hell i am i ain't pretty and i sure as hell ain't no goddamn girl i'll have a daiquiri your ass should be headlining here tomorrow night with that right hand you got that's a hell of a fight fight shit you know she can go on ahead and have his sorry ass and his dangling ball sack Fucking breath smell like mildew, goddamn garlic. <laughs> Maybe he shouldn't be spending that paycheck for all these runaround hussies. When we got our son out here, with holes in his britches and shoes. And I don't think I've ever seen Eddie Murphy be pl- play such a bombastic character, but play him with such tenderness. You know, I think sometimes Eddie Murphy can play a lot in like the Adam Sandler wheelhouse of yeah. comedy where it's just like loud and in your face. And there's a time and place for that. You know, um, I don't, I'm not saying that that's always bad. No, but it was kind of like really shocking and surprising to see um, it. You can tell that there's a lot of love in this movie and love for the community. Like I God, towards the end when they're trying to, they're going to the theater and they're really scared that people are going to hate their movie yeah, and that people are going to make fun of them for all their work they're doing. And critics be damned, the community shows up, and they love him, they love them, and you get that spirit, and se- and that's what I love about, um, I don't want to say niche movies, but like, if you make movies for your community, they're going to show up, and they're going to love you all the more for it, um, as opposed to like, you know, making movies for everybody, you know, right. it's just like, there's no personality, there's no like, heart in it, um, so yeah, th- that was one of the movies that like it ends and you're like, you just feel good. You feel good. And it's so shocking. Like you don't expect that from um, an Eddie Murphy vehicle, but here we are. 
this is also around the time that one of our favorite movies of the year comes out, Pain and Glory. Absolutely. Um, Which is funny because I will say in terms of advertising, it didn't receive enough in America because I was recently at a New Year's Day brunch and we were talking about it and everybody was like, has that come out yet? Oh, horrifying. Horrifying. Um, Will Smith's like renaissance also continues he's in gemini man which just kind of continues the like i don't want to say downfall but um angley's i yeah. don't know grand experiment yeah of filmmaking i mean i think that's what it is is i think angley has reached a point where he's just like let's play yeah you know i've i've heard that it's like not that great of a movie but as like a science experiment for how well you can pull off de-aging somebody yeah um, Parasite comes out later in the month. Um, Jojo Rabbit, The Lighthouse. Um, we got another Maleficent. Yes. Uh, which I'm sure made a butt ton of money. Um, we get another sequel in Zombieland, which I think came out way back in 2009. Yes. So almost. It's, it's a decade. Years. Yeah, 10 yeah, years yeah. later. Did you watch it? I did. We went to the theater to see it, uh, for the zombie episode. Oh, very good. So, yeah, yeah. It was fun. Fine. There's, I mean... They are. The Zombieland movies are everything you expect them to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. You get to the end of the year, you get prestige dramas. They're all coming out. We mentioned The Irishman, which went to Netflix, but had a significant amount of theater play, Mm -hmm. uh, which is rare for a Netflix film. Um, I mean, significant for Netflix, I guess. Right. Like, it never never hit any of the big chains because they're still boycotting Netflix movies. Right. Yeah. Um, We also got Harriet. Um... You know, Motherless Brooklyn, which took what's his face ten thousand years to make, and then like womp, womp, no Edward Norton, like, yeah, Edward Norton, yeah. Um, sorry, Hanny. Um, you know, Marriage Story comes out um, quickly after um, Irishman. It's kind of funny that they, I mean, Netflix was firing on all cylinders, right? They, yeah, they've set up Dolomite, Irishman, uh, Marriage Story, and the Two Popes. Yeah, and I know it was a bit of an outlier, but The King was also part of their big awards push. Yeah, and uh, it was like full saturation. They were like... And they they did also put forward American Factory, which is a new documentary that's on Netflix. It's in my top ten. I highly recommend watching it. It's kind of a horrifying watch. Oh, it really is. It's definitely like a thesis about how capitalism will kill us all. Yeah. Um, My favorite part was like the Chinese people at the very beginning being like, how old do you think these houses are? And he's like, thousands of years. And she's like, America's 200 years old. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, whoo! <laughs> um, we get also um, Stephen King's um, Doctor Sleep. Yes. Um, Big year for Stephen King. I know that sounds made up. It is not. No. Uh, you got It Chapter 2. You got Doctor Sleep. You got uh, Tall Grass. There's the yeah the Netflix one. I cannot tell you. Yeah, sure. Patrick Wilson needs work. <laughs> Aww, poor guy. Um, Shia LaBeouf also coming back hard with Honey Boy, um, which is now streaming on Amazon. Yeah, and to a lesser extent, Peanut Butter Falcon. Which yes, was, Peanut Butter Falcon. Yeah, which was an underseen sort of big indie hit. One final uh, reboot for the year, Charlie's Angels. Yes. Um, which, the sad story of Charlie's Angels. That well is dry, honey. Yeah. No one wanted it. Yeah. No one saw it. Which bums me out because I do understand the thought process of getting a female filmmaker mm-hmm. and, and giving her the reins and letting her, her do something with it. 
And I do love Kristen Stewart. I know that's sometimes not a popular thing to say, but like she was the only person to sell it on. She's kind of a controversial figure when it comes to films anyways. And She's not a... I mean, I think she's a good actress. I don't think she's good at selling movies. Right. I don't think she wants to. And she even said in some of the interviews, because she made another film that came out very much about towards the end of the year about Gene Seberg, and she was doing the press rounds for that. And so people asked her about Charlie's Angels, and she's like, listen, I... I made this action movie, and yes, it's female-led, and yes, it's about female empowerment. I didn't expect every interview to be about, you know, women in film. And it yeah. became this grander thing, and I think it pushed people away. Yeah. Because it, it stopped being fun. Right. Yeah, it's, uh... You hate to see it. You hate to see it. Um, but we also get, like, Ford v. Ferrari, The right. Good Liar. These are all Oscar babies. The Report... A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Yes, which I feel like came out and went. And, I mean, I have I keep hearing critics singing its praises, but... Yeah, this is Mariel Heller's follow-up to um, Can, Can You, you forgive, forgive Me? me? Yeah. Um, and Tom Hanks as... I mean, maybe it's just Mr. Rogers' fatigue after the documentary last year, but... Maybe. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people still say that Tom Hanks is in the race for an Oscar, but... Hoops knows. This uh, piece will be for an issue about heroes. Do you consider yourself a hero? I don't think of myself as a hero. No, not at all. What about Mr. Rogers? Is he a hero? I, I don't understand the question. Well, there's you, Fred, and then there's the character you play, Mr. Rogers. We got Knives Out. Yeah. Uh, which is fun because like, I feel like that was not outside of having everybody and their father in the film, uh, wasn't really an awards push. No. That was like a surprise. Yeah, it was just a fun end of the year, whodunit. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. That's I, I found, you know, maybe maybe a little inconsequential in the end, but... It's fun. Yeah. I also love, like, secret shitting on white people. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, and that movie has a lot of it. <laughs> Um, it was also, a, a, I want to mention, a, a great year for um, POC and women filmmakers. Um, we got Queen and Slim. Um, what was the movie I just saw? Uh, Atlantics. Yes. Um, Maddie Diop, who is, it's one of my favorite films of the year. It was my seventh favorite film of the year. Um, spooky, yeah. spooky, but like yeah. in a very different way. Yeah, I was in, in a really meaningful way. It yeah. had, a, had a message behind it, you know, about immigration and fair workers' rights. And yeah. It was beautiful also. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. Like just looking at it, well, I was like, oh. Well, it was, I mean, it had the same cinematographer as one of my other favorite films of the year, which was Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Mm. And that's Claire uh, Methon. I doubt I'm saying that right. She's French, but Claire Methon. Methon? Uh, but uh, genuinely a talent to watch. Her eye is flawless when it comes to making films. She also did Stranger by the Lake, which I don't know if you mm. saw for our queer cinema episode. I but know that's a, a spooky gay shit. Spooky and lots of sexy sex. Mm. Like, um, early in the year, we got The Farewell from Lulu Wong. Yes. Um, uh, a huge breakthrough American independent film. Yeah. Yes, it is majorly in a foreign language that doesn't make it any less American. It's a true immigrant story. Get him, Jade. Yeah. Um, yeah, that movie like fucked me up a little bit. Um, 
I loved it. Yeah. Aquafina is kind of like a revelation in it. That scene where she's talking about leaving China and just like not understanding and under- not understanding when like uh, grandpa died and this, even just the way she says Nai Nai. Yeah. You feel it in your heart. You feel it in her bones. It's just, oof. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, that that movie got me. It's definitely one of my favorites of the year. 11th favorite film of the year for me? Um, I think it's in my top 10 for sure. Is it from America? I went to school in the UK for many years. Oh, that's cool. Where do you live? Uh, I'm in New York. New York. I always want to visit New York. It's a very beautiful city. Yeah, it's very beautiful. Uh, question. Do you know about my grandma's condition? Oh. At the end of the holiday season, um, we get another Terrence Malick film. Sure, hon. <laughs> um, we get another Jumanji. Ter- Ter- Terrence Malick, who goes, yeah, the Holocaust is bad, but think of the Christians. Hello? Um, we also got another Jumanji film. Yes. which uh, Directed by Terrence Malick. Terrence Malick Jumanji film. <laughs> uh, sure. Video games and board games are bad, but think about the Christians. Hello? Um, another return, um, speaking of, um, Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems. Yes, and Uncut Gems. A a surprise performance. I saw Uncut Gems. I really liked it. I will say this. Do not understand the award talk about Adam Sandler. Because Mm. I think he's good in the movie. I don't think he does anything extraordinary or above his means in that film. I mean, he, he has to scream most of it, you know. I think, you know... There's other standout performances in that Kevin movie. Garnett. Kevin, actually, genuinely, Kevin Garnett's really great in that movie. There you go. So, and in a way, like, a true supporting performance, because he has, like, maybe three or four scenes. Excellent. So, give him all the awards. And then, of course, closing out the year, we had um, the one-two punch of Cats and Star Wars. <laughs> um, I mean, I guess... You I... would be surprised how many cats there were in Star Wars. Yeah, they were crazy. Like, the dark side, the heavy <laughs> side, like, oh my god. Uh, I will say, it did seem like most of the reviews of Star Wars left fans saying, Memories. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Is that the song from Cats? All Alone in the Moonlight. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. I saw Cats. It was... <laughs> did you really? Yes, I saw Cats. Good for you. Um, the woman, I'm, I'm glad someone did. There was a woman behind us who... The whole theater was laughing the whole way through. Um, it's impossible not to. The woman behind us, she was like, You guys are assholes yelled at us really and we were we all were like ma'am are you watching this are you seeing this and you're not laughing someone else was like what's so funny i don't get it and we were like rebel wilson just took off her own skin to reveal more skin underneath (laughs) it's that's i mean i understand i understand theater etiquette i get it but i don't i don't know not for cats yeah read the room i i mean if yeah no not on my watch um, I forgot we also had Bombshell come out. Um, oh, yeah. That movie's real bad. That movie is uh, in my third least favorite film of the year. Wow. So, yeah. Um, and uh, also Little Women. I saw Little Women on Christmas Day. Did you really? Oh, yeah. what a sweet Christmas Day you must have had. It was, it was great. Well, I'm not a poet. I'm just a woman. And as a woman, there's no way for me to make my own money. Not enough to earn a living or to support my family. And if I had my own money, which I don't, that money would belong to my husband the moment we got married. And if we had children, they would be his, not mine. 
they would be his property. So don't sit there and tell me that marriage isn't an economic proposition because it is. It may not be for you, but it most certainly is for me. Forgot to mention Midsummer and MVP of the year, Florence Pugh, who yes. like is truly having just yeah. uh Smash bang year. And she genuinely, Midsummer is a movie I didn't even like, and I thought she was really great in it, I'll be honest. And uh, yeah, uh, no, I do think she is having a great year. And and she's she's incredibly that, talented. She's got that great voice. Oh, genuinely. She she has like um, like a sweeter version of like young Kathleen Turner. Mm, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I see that for sure. Um, what's wild? So, Sia Ronan can do no wrong. Yeah, yeah. Luminous. Gorgina. I will say... Until I was listening to another podcast that they said Amy is supposed to be the youngest woman. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I've never read the book. I'm not familiar with it. All these girls look the same age. Um, Greta gave no fucks as far as like the aging of these women. Yeah, it's funny. I did think that. uh, I thought Beth was the youngest one. There's a scene where uh, the scene where she's talking to Timothy Chalamet, Laurie in Paris and she says and me in all my 20 years and then I like mentally started doing the math and was like in that fir- the first flashback they were like 7 years ago and I was like she's fucking 13 in the flashbacks yeah. I was like no it doesn't make sense uh uh-uh, honey um, but and so like if I had one gripe it would be like the aging of them yeah. is very sus but other than that I mean and that didn't even bother me that much but truly and, that, and thinking back, I was like, wow, they were, when they were like, you're too young to come out with us. And I was like, what do you mean? Because <laughs> they're not explicit. They don't right. say like, and you, the seven-year-old, like whatever. Right. Um, I just thought they were all like girls from... They developed very early in the March family. I just thought they were like from 15 to 18 or something. I don't know. Girls. <laughs> um, I guess that kind of brings us to the end of the year, right? Like, Yeah. And I think that's a, a pretty good place to... To bring us to now, I think there were... Let's talk about the year in film first before we get to our picks. Um, I I hate saying this, and I know it's not a popular opinion. I don't think it was a good year for American film. Mm. And I think that's where I'm at. I don't think it's a bad year for film altogether. I In my top ten, I was surprised when I made it that there are only two... Uh, English language films, and they're both documentaries. Wow. Um, and I I think it was a great year for, as you mentioned, female filmmakers. I think it was a great year for foreign language films. Other countries really showing us how it's done. And I don't know. I just wasn't that blown away by the output of the American films. I think the first English language movie in my top whatever is The Irishman at number 12. Wow. I... Um... Yeah, I guess I kind of agree with you. It it's almost feels like between the scramble for, like, the content. Yeah. Um, and, and trying to, you know, like, be like, oh, we want to be um, uncontroversial, but, like, woke at the same time. And, like, just really trying to cover all the bases to, like, satisfy all the things. It's just, like, such bland nothingness. Yes. Um, as far as, you know, traditional films or like our American studio films. Um, I forgot to mention, and we talked, maybe we talked about this, um, long shot came out earlier, uh, this year. It feel like there was a lot of moments where the American rom-com was going to like be back. Yeah. And, and then they all kind of like misfired. There was, 
Isn't It Romantic, I think, with Rebel Wilson. That, yeah, which I liked, you know? And it never, like, really happened. Um, Long Shot was maybe a little bit more successful, but didn't really make a huge right. impact. As I said before um, on the show, I believe, Long Shot's one of the only movies I've ever seen that is a solely a great middle act. and <laughs> I like that movie. I just think Charlize is, can do anything. Oh, she's so great in it. And she has weirdly good chemistry with... Um, what's his face? Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen, yeah. But I think she would have, you know, great chemistry with a fern. True. You know? I, I'd, I'd pay for that OnlyFans. OnlyFans? OnlyFans. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 and it's weird, like, going into this, um, this, this, uh, award season, thinking about, you know, like, all the things, like, right now, like, the BAFTA Awards just came out, all fucking white people, all yep. these men. Um, the Golden Globes, same thing, and it's fucking crazy because in in years prior, they'd say like, "Oh, well, there weren't that many, um, you know, female directors, or there there weren't any like performances that were good for uh, POC people." This year, there is literally no excuse. Yeah, there are so many good performances and directors. Yeah. that are like and to between. Think- between Parasite and Pain and Glory and Us and... I mean, even, like, Cynthia Revo gave a really good performance in yeah. Harriet. You think about... Um, Did you fucking hear the Baptist asked her to perform? <laughs> I saw that. That's fucking psycho. Yeah. And, and I'm sure that's them trying to, like, um, be like, oh, look, we asked, like, a black person to perform. It's yeah. like, no, you fuckers. Like, um, Lupita Nyong'o, who gave a great performance in Us... Um, uh, we didn't talk about Afri Woodard and Clemency. Yeah. Um, I have not seen this movie yet. I got lots of people to say that I should. And we talked about uh, Queen and Slim. Um, and then uh, Atlantics. Uh, there's there's just a lot of... There, there's no excuse um, yeah. for people saying, like, there's not enough... Uh, there And there's a really great um, Vogue article about how it should be a all-POC um, um, best actress race. Yeah. But because... Like, literally, the BAFTAs fucking nominated all these bombshell girls. I know. Which, I love Charlize. I love right. Nicole. I love Marco. But no. And it, it, if, if you see that movie, the only one who deserves any sort of nomination is Margot Robbie. Wow. And it's still not great. And, and to think, like, to, to be in um, a position to nominate, like, any best ofs, thinking about the year in film and not having, at minimum, Aquafina in the yes. conversation... Not only because she's it's a breakthrough, like the historical, like the historic, you know, uh, consequences of it. You know, the story of Lulu and all. Like, I haven't mentioned the last black man in San Francisco. Yeah, you know, like it. The dearth of things. You know, if we're talking about the culture, Bombshell is going to come and go. It has already gone. Yeah, you know, we are still talking about the farewell and like the impact of that story, the performances. Parasite, like we will be talking about that movie for a long time. You know, I will not be talking. I mean, sorry, I'm not going to be talking about The Irishman next year. It's probably true. Like, I it's just Parasite not- did come in higher than The Irishman for me. So, um, thinking like 1917, like what? Yeah, like, yeah. Joker, like, well, I, I, there is an argument to be made that Joker made a big cultural impact. Fine, but I, there there are other things like an exciting Cynthia Revo, the mo- like, yeah. T- that level of talent, you know. Yeah. I didn't see Harriet. I heard mixed things, regardless. But she is amazing. Yeah, I- and to not honor, to instead honor again, you know, another Nicole Kidman performance, right. another 
Margot and, the, like, and once like, and once again, like we've done episodes on Charlize, we've done episodes on Nicole. You know, we love these people. Yeah, I mean, it's just like this yeah. is not the cultural moment for them, right? You know, it's it feels so weird. It feels so weird and alienating. Yeah, e- even as a like, I say this as a white individual. I know you are not white. Don't don't get up, up in arms. I'm up in Luis. Uh, but Anna de Armas. <laughs> but yeah, like I, yeah, it feels detached from reality, or Complete, at least the reality I live in. Completely you know? detached. I mean, there's no way someone's gonna like look back on this year and be like, "Oh my god, that's the year bombshell came out." What yes. a, what a what a ride. Yeah, exactly. Thank God we gave some awards to these ladies. Like, no. Yeah, it's uh, it's loca. But um, yeah, should we move into some picks? Absolutely. So let's start with our one-star reviews. I'll be honest, I I want to do, like, we've talked so much about the year. I kind of want to just do this very briefly. Okay. Um, my one-star review of the entire, and also preface this by saying, we're not the Razzies. We hate the Razzies. We're not interested in kicking films while they're down, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not the reason we're here. I hate those lists that are like, here are the worst films of the year. You know, last year, I didn't even feel comfortable saying the name of my least favorite film, so I mentioned a a bigger film. But I have no qualms telling you the worst film of 2019 is still, and I mentioned this in our anniversary episode, Drunk Parents, Mm -hmm. starring Selma Hayek and Alec Baldwin. Nothing, Nothing broke the seal for you? Nothing broke the seal. Like I said... You know, there were close replicas starring Keanu Reeves, which I watched for the Keanu Reeves episode and didn't mention that much. Was my number was my second to last. Bombshell was my third to last. Drunk parents, offensive, stupid, bad, not worthy committed to film. It makes me sad that everyone wasted their time making it. Mm-hmm. Hundreds of people make a movie, not just one. I'm so mad at all of them. <laughs> all of you. All of them. No, I just feel bad. I feel bad that they had to be involved in this project. That that was so... It is just genuinely... Garbage. Garbage. Where's my stuff? What have you done with my closet? I made it into a panic room. You can't do that, Carl. Remember, this is not your house. Did you ever see the Jodie Foster movie? And please put a shirt on. I, 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 I've been really nervous lately. People have been ringing the doorbell all day asking about the yard sale. And then I was really scared when I saw the the video on the internet of you and Frank being kidnapped with a shotgun. There's a video on the internet? Nancy, you're the best part of it. You came across really real. I was real, you dumb fuck! Um, my one-star review is, it's the Disney sampler. Okay? It's Dumbo, Aladdin, and Lion King, and all what they stand for. Um, I think I've said enough about them, um, but... It, I, I didn't see Lion King, so to me, the most egregious one was maybe Dumbo, because it felt so soulless. It's just but... like, all of them, that all... Similar which said, this is all money that could have been spent elsewhere. Beyonce deserves better. Uh, Always. Uh, but the actors... And then hearing the fucking stories about Disney wanting to give a spinoff to the White Prince. The White Prince. And in maybe a scene. And also the fact that the Aladdin himself hasn't gotten a role since. Yeah. That's... Hasn't been able to land a role. He had the lead in a massive... The titular Aladdin. He's the titular Aladdin. A multi-million dollar film that made a ton of money. Yeah. And... And... Yeah. But but he's a POC, so... Yeah, totally. And it sucks. And I... I don't know, it's like this movie tourism of like, you know, b- 
big Disney company wants to make a movie about Middle Eastern prince. Yeah. Cast the dude and then kick him to the curb. Whatever, you made your money, we made ours. I like it. Of course you like it, boy, I made it. I think that's me. Strictly speaking, it is me. I mean, I did most of the work, you were just standing there. But I, I hear you. But won't people recognize me? Nobody will recognize you. That's how genie magic works. People see what they're told to see. Right. Who am I? <laughs> Prince Ali. From? Duh. From Beauvoir. If we're going to do like a prognosticator thing, hopes for the future, it's truly that Disney will just decide, maybe we should just throw money at other things. Yeah, absolutely. Cancer research. Anyway. Yeah, maybe. I don't anyway, know. Anyway. It's the cancer research arm of Disney. <laughs> I mean, it's coming, man. It's yeah. coming. Oh, yeah. Um, this chemo brought to you by Lady in the Tramp. <laughs> oh, no. I pray- That's another thing that came out this year. Yeah, sure was. Truly, truly a banner year. But, I mean, that was short and sweet, but I think it's time that we, we you know, may old acquaintance be forgot. Please. Let's move into our five-star reviews. So I have put out my annual, uh, used to be top 10, now I do a top 15 video. I watched it and I was like, oh, 15? Yeah. I started that last year. B-b-bonus. Um, I was going to do 20 this year and I was like, too much. The, this level of fuckery is far too much. Flim flammery. Flim flammery. But, uh, the, so I do want to do real quick, just my top five, just real quick. One Child Nation, it's a documentary on Amazon. Horrifying. Horrifying. So good, though. So uh, good, though. Um, it's on Amazon Prime right now. Absolutely. Watch it. Fugue, it was my number four movie. It's a Polish film. It's by, <laughs> and please forgive me, I can't even pronounce English language names, uh, Agnieszka Szmokzinska. Uh, that sounded right. That sounds honestly. right. Really yeah. good. Um, she's this amazing filmmaker. She did this film a couple years ago uh, about that was like a retelling of the Little Mermaid in like an eighties rock musical style. Love that. Yeah, uh, called the Lure. This film Fugue is about a woman who has a fugue state. She loses all of her memories. Um, two years later, her husband sees her on a daytime talk show, recognizes her, and tries to reintegrate her back into her life. This movie is hysterical and traumatic and beautiful and dramatic and just all these things uh dan can attest the ending of the film triggered me in a way i was not expecting and i just burst into tears wow because i i don't know it's really fascinating and really great i highly recommend i don't sadly don't think it really got a release it spent a, a month on movie which is a streaming platform wow and that was it um my third film, Birds of Passage, which is a Colombian film. It's kind of about the drug trade, not really. It's like an analysis of family and an analysis about this very small portion of society, but it's also very dreamlike and trippy and interesting, beautiful imagery. My number two was Temblores, which translates to Tremors. It's a Guatemalan queer film about a man who, like, goes to tell his family that he's leaving his family behind for his male lover and his family like turns to the church and the church basically goes about the process of trying to convert him from being a gay man back into a straight man. Um, It's a really fascinating film. Guatemala essentially has no film industry at all. Uh, So it's really amazing. This movie even got made, especially one that deals with such a, uh, uh, 
subject matter from a very conservative society. Uh, I also think it's the only time I've ever seen a movie that really delves into the idea that hatred is a business mm. and there is money to be made in homophobia and money to be made in fear. Wow. And uh, and I think the, the movie really understands that. And then my number one favorite film of the year, Almost of Ours, Pain and Glory. We talked about it during our Antonio Banderas episode. I'm so glad we did that episode. I'm so glad I saw this movie. I, I don't know if I've seen a, a movie that has, like, torn my heart out and stomped on it. Yeah. Fluffed it back into normal shape and stuck it back in my chest. Yeah. Before. It, it is stunning. It is absolutely stunning. It's gorgeous from its use of color, from its use of actors. I really think Antonio Banderas gives the uh, career highlight performance and maybe the best performance of the year. Yeah, um, Even though they're never going to nominate him. That's fucking bonkers. Yeah, and yeah, it's touching, it's sweet, it's sad. It's about uh, love in general, the, you know, old love, new love, the love of a parent, familial love, um, uh, and the past and the way that it fades and Mm -hmm. the way that uh, it informs your future. Yeah, and about like coincidences and... God, you're right. The way you said it, like, putting your heart back in. Because the ending of yeah. it, the breathtaking part of it is the ending where you're like, oh my God, my spirit is back. Yes. You know, because he does such a good job of breaking you down and, like, feeling so um, broken. Yeah. And then at the end, when there's a, a, a twist, not a twist, but there's something, and it's just kind of, like, pumps the life back into you. Yeah. And, how life marches on, you know, pain and all. It's one of those things where, like, sometimes people describe film as a triumph, and you're like, what does that mean? What is your definition of a triumph? Yeah. But this movie is a triumph. Yeah. I mean, in, in every sense, because... And it's... Oh, that's the thing. When you watch it, you're like, oh, this is a great story, and this is a great... You know, everything's great about it. And then you think about, like, Almodovar making it, and how connected he is to the story, and his relationship with Antonio. And it's just like, oh... Uh, yeah. It's great, great. Federico. Estoy en Madrid. ¿Y qué haces aquí? He venido a ver a unos abogados por cuestión de una herencia. Me voy mañana por la noche. Me gustaría verte. A mí también. Pero estaba ya en la cama. ¿Te importa si nos vemos mañana? Te viene bien a mediodía. Por la tarde tengo la reunión con el abogado. Perfecto, sí. No te he preguntado cómo estás. Viejo. Cinco años más que yo, ni uno más. So, Louis, what's your five-star review? I had this list of movies that I really liked, and I was like, I don't know like if I liked this one better than that one. Like, They all hit me differently. But um, movies that I remember affecting me and um, feeling very good or feeling something very strongly about when I watched them um movie we didn't mention um her smell really um that movie gave me uh so much anxiety her smell which was written produced and directed by alex ross perry um starring elizabeth moss uh and cara delavine among others um amber heard in this movie who's so good i like amber heard i do Um, so and i she plays like a very lady gaga-esque character um I just thought that the movie, like, first of all, Elizabeth Moss is very um, committed and she's doing very Courtney Love, you know, and and it's that thing where um, we talked about this, like, a character behaving badly and you're like, oh, fuck, there's going to be a redemption thing and I'm going to have to, like, try and 
get on their side. And I was like, this bitch is very bad. She's not likable at all. But the... And it's a story about addiction, essentially. And the come around is so well done. Um, and the ending of the movie really is like... Addiction is always and ever lurking. And how could the thing that you love... And for her, it's music. The thing you love um, sometimes is what fucking kills you, you know? And in in music and going on concerts and touring, there is drugs and there are um, seductions that things can drag you down. And she has to make a decision whether, you know, um, she's going to take care of herself or going to keep doing this thing that she loves. And I just thought the, like, thank God the movie ends the way it does. And, um, yeah, I just, I, I think it's kind of maybe one of the most, like, underseen, but, like, really, um... I think Twitter saw it. I see Twitter <laughs> talking about it all the time. I see Chris File talking about it all the time, and yeah, that's yeah. about it. Um, I have, um, we have to talk about Parasite. Yeah, we have Parasite's Parasite. great. Uh, I saw it by myself, and and Derek was like, you want to see it? It's kind of spooky. And I was like, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Um, and, and he was right. I mean, it shredded my nerves, um, but it's so good. I mean, we didn't mention this, um, that it was kind of the year of eating the rich, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, movies talking about, you know, uh, class and kind of the 99% going after the 1%. This movie is so smart and so funny. Yeah. And um, it's another movie where I wouldn't describe it as a twist. No. But there is a change that occurs. I would say more than halfway through the film. It's a revelation. That's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's something is being revealed about in a very upfront and obvious way. There are a lot of like, like, uh, like let's say um, Knives Out. Knives Out is kind of about the same thing, but it is not obviously about that. You right. Know? Um, Ana de Armas' character is not like, you know, out to get money from these rich people. Right. Uh, but the movie is about that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, in Parasite, it is all about that. Like, and uh, from the, from the very beginning when they show these people trying to get Wi-Fi from, like, the coffee shop next door, you know that they are trying to scam their way to get a little bit more out of life because they are truly at the bottom of the totem pole of life. All the performances are so good. So good. The sis- the sister yeah. is my favorite yeah. um, parasite. Absolutely. She was so good. I think the mom character is so funny. Um, yeah. God. I don't know what to say. I don't. And, want to... and real quick, just a plug for the filmmaking itself. The filmmaking on that movie is immaculate. It is so well planned. It's so well designed. I mean, the way things look. There's that door to the basement that just looks like an absolute void to the afterlife. Yeah. The you know there there's so so many scenes in that film are so well choreographed, and I think that's. You know, people keep talking about all the other things that make that movie really great. But these are the subtle things that you maybe don't notice. I think it's spectacularly edited and just genuinely, like, just, it's it's complete, it's it's the complete package. Yeah, it's genuinely shocking. Like, yeah. When people ask me about it, I'm like, all I can say is it's, like, nothing I've ever seen before. And it's shocking. Um, not in a bad way, not in a scary yeah. way, not in, a, like, a freaky way. It just is, like... I don't know. It's it's almost satire. It's almost <laughs> farce. I don't know. Um, but my number one movie of the year, hands down, um, and this is a stupid pick, but I love it so much, um, is Booksmart. <laughs> it's uh, not a stupid pick. 
That was in my top 20. I, genuinely. Uh, dir- directed by Olivia Wilde. Her first movie um, came out in the summer, I think. Yeah. Um, didn't make a lot of money. There was a big hoopla about it on Twitter, I guess, about how the studio did it wrong, blah, 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 whatever. Um, it was supposed to be the next super bad, which... And I was thinking, I watched it again last night, and I was thinking, like, why did people think it was the next super bad, and why isn't it? People thought it was because it is young, raunchy right. teens um, talking about sex and antics around high school, but it is not super bad because it is liberal as fuck. Yeah. It is fueled by politics. Um, literally, every scene is, you know, just talking about. Uh, choice and women's rights and um you know going to school and like it this movie is smart like you know and i like super bad i remember yeah. i remember laughing at it i think it was great this movie is not going for cheap right I, and and the wild thing is though i was laughing the entire time i don't remember being at the theater i mean maybe <laughs> that's a lie like i had the same kind of theater reaction as when i went and saw a girl's trip i Pe- thought you were gonna say cats <laughs> No. Um, people were just like out of their seats laughing, dying at how much fun yeah. Caitlin Deaver and um, Beanie Feldstein are just having on screen. Um, it feels, I mean, and and this movie is all fantasy. Like, yeah, it's um, no one's high school is like this, but and, and no high school students are like this. No, right. They're not this smart. They're not this, you know, um, but I. I think the filmmaking is very good. I, I was like, oh, there is style and personality in this actual filmmaking and what Olivia Wilde is doing. Um, from the costumes to the music. Um, Billy Lourdes, who is playing Gigi. I was just going to say, my real standout, and there's so many good performances in this movie, is Billy Lord. She's so fucking good. She is... Inc- I, I read that they literally wrote her into more scenes because she was so good. And I think the main takeaway for me in the story is... For as humans, we all like to like dislabel each other, and we are only the thing. This movie posits we are more than one thing. Right. We can be lots of things, and that's like literally the the whole of the story. It's like, yeah, I'm a girl who loves giving blowjobs, but yeah, I'm going to Yale. Right. Like, I'm a dumb jock, but I'm going to Stanford to play soccer. Oh, oh please do not stop on my account. You know what? My badge is stuffed with diplomas. Soon it's going to be stuff with job offers and glowing profiles and commendations from the governor. So while you guys were all studying AP hand jobs, I was kicking ass and busting curves. And I'm going to continue to do that at Yale next year. So I like my choices. And wherever you three are next year, I hope you do too. I'm going to Yale too. What? I'm incredible at hand jobs, but I also got a 1560 on the SATs. No, you didn't. I got in early. To Yale. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 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 Oh, um, Tanner, where are you going to school? Uh, I'm, I'm playing soccer at Stanford. Stanford University? <laughs> what are you guys talking about? That's... Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Stanford. Stanford mm-hmm. University. Hey, I'm not going to college. I got recruited to go code for Google. I mean, it's not Apple, but... The bennies are pretty tight, man, and it's mid-six figures, so I'm not complaining. Oh boy. I'm so proud of you. It's, my boy. it's amazing. Hey, you failed the seventh grade twice. Rule of threes. 
there are um, multifaceted things in people's lives. We can be more than one thing. And I think... um, I feel like that goes back to the conversation I was having about criticism. Yeah. You know? Things can be more than one thing. The movie is on Hulu. You can watch it 10,000 times a day. I think this is one of those movies that um, is going to become a cult classic. You know, it's just endlessly rewatchable. Um, And I think we have a lot more from Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein. Um, and I'm so excited. I think we have a lot more from Olivia Wilde. Oh. And I'm, and I'm really interested to see what she follows it up with. Yeah, same. Uh, yeah, so that's great. Let's do our mixed reviews review real quick. Okay. So my one-star review was 2019's Drunk Parents. My one-star review was the Disney bullshit. <laughs> of 2019. Of 2019. Uh, my five-star review was 2019's Pain and Glory. Mine was 2019's Booksmart. All right. Let's move into our fast forward. Looking forward to this year and movies. We still have the Oscars coming. Absolutely. We just got through the Golden Globes, which are voted on by like, what, 60 fucking people. So, um... uh, That's it. That's... I I was... I just... It makes me angrier every time I talk about it. I'm like, 60 people? Like, it's a little more than that, but still. Um, I really hope that in this coming year, we continue this... Tra- I mean, awards be damned. Yes. I want the tradition... Not tradition, but this new kind of trajectory of women and POC filmmakers to just, like, keep turning out these movies. Yes. Because I think that was the other... That was the other huge thing in my top ten before I put it all together. You know, I didn't realize how many queer stories there were, how many stories of people of color, how many stories of women, women behind the camera. I said this last year. I wanted more, you know, access for women filmmakers, and and I really want to see where that's going. I think that there were some bounds this year. Maybe not in the awards track, unfortunately. You know, they seem to be being ignored, but I think there were a lot of really amazing films made by women. Yeah, and I think, you know... We just have to keep flooding the market with it. Yes. You know, because once that's the norm, it's okay that, you know, should they be recognized? Absolutely. But once it's just normal to have female directors and, you know, maybe this is Mariel Heller's, you know, second big movie. I can't wait for her to have 10 movies. Right. And, like, it'll be just A-OK and fine. And she can be, like, all the other directors out there that it's like, yeah, I had a movie that came out and no one cared and it was fine. I keep going. Um, and we get more from, you know, Ava DuVernay, just more of these things. Um, I, you know, we're, it's exciting to see, you know, we are seeing more of, um, Janelle Monet as yeah. the actress. We're seeing, uh, Daniel Kaluuya as the actor getting more starring roles. Even things like Parasite, which we've mentioned many times already at this point, it's become one of the highest grossing foreign films of all time. More of that in the market. More, you know, more stories, more diverse stories brought to you by diverse people, exposing people to their stories, you know? And as you said before, it's not, it's not even about assimilation, but it's about understanding and becoming a better person by knowing other people's stories. Yeah. And I think nobody gets anything by closing themselves off. Right. And I think like we were mentioning with this deluge of documentaries like i'm so excited and happy to uh we mentioned one child nation yeah american factory um their jawline uh i mean just so many i saw one called raising hell the life and times of molly ivins 
Uh, so fun, so good. Uh, Hail Satan, which oh, came out this Hail year. Hail Satan was so yeah, yeah. Good. I knew that. I knew that was one of your, one of yours. You know yeah. that you love. That, absolutely. There, there's so many. Uh, Edge of Democracy, really great film. The Great Hack. You know, I I didn't feel like I learned that much because I'm always cynical about technology, but but really fantastic, interesting film about how we're all being fucking brainwashed. Derek's favorite film was um, Biggest Little Farm. Biggest Little Farm, which is on Hulu now. I want to say, so. yeah. So like, literally, you can find all of these amazing film experiences. Even in documentaries. I know that sounds crazy. It drives me insane when I see uh, critics top 10 of the year and they can't find one documentary that they think belongs amongst their films. If there is one thing that we can do, I think, to, I don't want to say combat the streaming wars or whatever, this, it's like we have more access to more than ever. The least you can do is broaden your horizons. Right. You know, there are so many free things for you to, to, to consume. So maybe peel yourself away from your Disney Plus once in a while. Right. And I'm not saying, like, yeah, I'm watching Encore too. Whatever. But, you know, there are so many good things out there. If you're already on Amazon Prime, why not watch these movies? If you're already on Hulu, why not watch these movies? Right. Um, and so... If 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 there is one you know thing you're gonna take away from you know oh we're at this overload of stuff yeah maybe just broaden out a little bit and you won't feel as like well I gotta watch that other X Men movie you know like, right whatever that's and I, I completely agree I think I think the theme for 2020 should be broadening your horizons and to that Louis I say it has been a really excellent year to broadening our horizons. And I think that brings us to the natural conclusion of 2019. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless up. So you can find us, obviously you've been listening to us this whole time, but you can find us online and many, many places. You can find us on Twitter at, at the Mixed Reviews. We're on Facebook. Just type in The Mixed Reviews. You can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, the underscore mixed underscore reviews. We have so much good content oh, on there. Thank we, you, Gavin. Sorry. Well, I mean, I don't want to take all the credit for it. but it, No, but you should. <laughs> okay. But it, but it is fun to make a lot of that stuff. Um, and also, if you want to listen to us, you can listen to us by subscribing to us on Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, iHeartMedia. And if you do listen to us on Apple Music, please rate and review us. Leave us a nice five-star rating and review. Write something nice about us, and we'll read it on the air. Yeah, and I want to know, what did we miss from this year? What were your favorite movies of Absolutely. the year? Absolutely. Um, we didn't do a poll for the last episode because it just felt like the season was over. Yeah, exactly. You know? Tell us about what we missed in our 2019 wrap-up, what we have to see. I know I still have a lot to wa- um, watch. Oh, yeah. Um, the work is never done. The work is never done, honeys. Not for our mixed reviewers. <laughs> um, but we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Hope you had a great holiday season, a happy new year, and um, we'll be seeing you in 2020. Here's to 2020.